And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie along with Karen Dolman. Karen, in most cases when an animal is communicating with a human, what is it trying to tell us? Well, I think, you know, let's be practical. They want to tell us about their needs. <laughs> you know, feed me, take me out. I need this, I need that. But this is the part that most of us don't think about. They are rescuing us. They're taking care of us. And so I have a lot of people that write to me, too, about when at the end of a pet's life, making that hard decision where it might be euthanizing them or, you know, saving their, um, their integrity um, and or helping them through a transition. And I think that the biggest thing that pets would want all of us to know is that they – this is what they've told me. I've had many pets tell me this, and men, just many animals say this that are, you know, living close in human uh, existence, like in their home or something. They'll say, I've taken care of you all these years, and you've given back to me as well. At the last minute that I need you the most, you made the best decision that you can, and I entrust you to make that decision for me, whatever that decision is. There's no right or wrong way. But I know there's so many, so many people that feel very bad or guilt, guilty about it. Bottom line is the animals trust you to take care of them and give them all that you can, whatever that means. It's always a very personal choice. But they want us to, to know that, that the love they taught us to have for them allows us to share that love for them even in their final hours. Where do people get the book, When Cats Had Wings? It's available on Amazon.com. Also, it's in hard hard copy as well. Barnes & Noble has that. You can get it in paperback, um, both places, Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Tell us about the illustrator, Maz Fazan. Yeah, so this is a gentleman I found online. I looked at his portfolio. I interviewed several people. He immediately wanted the project, and he talked about his vision for it. He said, let me just look at it, read your read the prose. And I explained to him my cat wrote the story and this is what's going on. And he was really excited about it. And his vision was probably even better than I could have envisioned it. And by the way, I have spoken to Jack since his book's been out and he's very, he's thrilled. He's thrilled about it. He's thrilled that he is now considered an author. Um, you go to amazon.com, you'll see his name, Jack the Cat, listed along with my name. And, of course, Maz Farzan, he's just a fabulous, fabulous illustrator. And the books, you guys, I'm just amazed when I – the images, it fills the whole page. It's just – and it's brightly colored. I mean, George, you know, you've seen it. I do. I've got it right in front of me right here. Yay. That's great. When Cats Had Wings, you had fun doing this? Uh, it was amazing. I had a blast. I, I never set out to write a children's book. As you know, I write a lot of nonfiction books about spirituality, metaphysics, channeling, the Ouija board, spirits. And this was so different. And so Jack is right. He is a writing coach. He had me go outside the box of what I would normally write. And then also to get the illustrator and to um, even put it into this prose. I'm, I've never written a whole book that's nothing but a poem. So it's risky when you do that, but somehow it just works. It's because I had I had help. I had divine help through Jack and, and my higher self putting this story together. And that, to me, was just worth it. It's, it's, pre it's precious and priceless. And I got to tell you, George, even though I'm co-author of this book, when I read it, I still get a teary eye <laughs> because it's so touching about the unconditional love we share with our pets. So, yeah, I'm I, I love every. I love doing it, and I love the fact that it's out there for people to also experience that. I love the opening line of the book from Jack, who simply says, "They say we have nine lives. I say, fooey, we have one, and it's everlasting within your heart and mine, Jack." Yes, 
That's that's a quote from Jack. I love that. You know, they say cats have nine lives. Well, he had one life with me. You know, that's it. And now he's going to move on. And, you know, animals have souls, too. And they do have an afterlife. And I'm still in communication with him. Do they so, reincarnate? Um, they can. Yes, they do. In fact, one time Panzer told me when he first transitioned and after he came back and started speaking to me again on the other side, he said, I said, well, well Panzer, are you going to come back and reincarnate to me? He said, no, I'm thinking about becoming a silly dog or silly, smelly dog. Huh. <laughs> I said, what? So um, what happens is animals can reincarnate and come back to you um, from before into your life again as another animal. So people will find they'll get a new animal that's very similar in many ways, but there's always a different nuance. Although it might be the same soul, the thing is it's still a new life and a new animal in a way that has a new personality. And so people write to me and tell me their experiences with that as well because that happens. Um, it hasn't happened with my animals yet, um, but I have close people to me that it's happened to them with their animals, and, they, and there's all these synchronistic things that line up when these pets come back to them. It's amazing. All right, let's go to the phones. First-time caller Pedro is with us in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. Hey, Pedro, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you, George. I appreciate this. Thank you. Um, hi, hi, Karen. I my hey, Pedro. Question is, my question is, and I hope I'm not putting you on the spot with this too much, but what's the most profound thing you have asked of the board? And I'm talking oh. the lines along the lines of like you know what, who is God, aliens, mm-hmm. or maybe even if the Earth is really flat. Right. I love this question because this is where I'm pushing boundaries of consciousness with the guides. I want to know. I I want to know. I want to explore. I want to understand more about the world. We'll never have all the answers. But how the guides work, it's more like the Socratic method. They'll give you an answer, but it's always kind of like a riddle or a question back. So we learn to think for ourselves. So I've had some really profound communications, um, uh, such as like the, the building of the pyramids, who did that? such as um, how do we get our technology? Does it come from extraterrestrials? I've had some really interesting things come through. Now, that's more along the lines of what you just asked me, but i got to tell you, Pedro, the most, probably the most profound things that come through the board have to do with ways we view ourselves as in the world, remembering that we are a spark of the divine. And, and the guides always give examples of how that is and how that works in our life, and it's true and tested the stuff they tell me. Here, you'll like this, George. Um, Just earlier today, I was using the Ouija board with my partner. Um, I haven't used the board in a while, but we were sitting down and and working it, and I did communicate with Jack and a few other beings. But I find that you can really receive enlightening information about the nature of the universe, about the nature of life, about your own personal life. But let me say this too, Pedro. If they give you answers and say, do this, do that, that's what's next. That's, that's nothing of a guide. That is like a trickster. Or that's just it's, it's energies that are coming through that has nothing to do with uh, enlightening, help, help you to find the light within. And so I find that's how you know the difference between a really good, integrated message and one that you can really uh, hang your hat on and enjoy and learn more about yourself as one that just tries to dominate or control or make you feel poorly. So, and then I'm not saying that necessarily comes from energies outside of herself. As I said before, we have fears, and those are inner energies that we can also manifest um, in this process of communicating. But yeah, there's there's so many profound things, and I do write about quite a few of those, Pedro, in my book, The Spirits of Ouija, and also in my third book, um, the, the The Spirit of Alchemy. That is where I really start sharing those profound messages and how it's affected me in my life. 
Wasn't the case of the little boy that the movie The Exorcism was truly based of, even though they had a woman in it, uh, Linda Blair? Right. It was based on a, on a, a boy. A little boy and from you know Baltimore. That? Yes. and the, But The Exorcist House is actually in St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> oh, I know that. I know that. Right? It was done at the, at the Election Brothers Hospital. I almost right, interviewed right. one of the two priests that were involved in that, but he passed on. But... In this case, with the exorcism, didn't the little boy dabble with a uh, Ouija board? Well, the story goes that his aunt had a had a board and was was working with him on it. Now, this is the deal: when you're working as a child and you have any fears, and even that the the, the aunt, um, I don't know what the backstory is. I mean, was there was there a psychological illness? Was there mental health issues? Was there a lot of fear, or was there not? I'd like to know. I don't. I don't know. know. Yeah, right. Next up, let's go to Elisa in Oregon. Welcome to the show on the Wild Card Line. Hi, Elisa. Hi, George. How are you doing? Good. Good to hear from you. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, Karen. Okay, this is a little bit of a complex uh, situation, so I'll try to run through it pretty quick. Um, I recently have begun uh, caring for, feeding, watering this once-loved, beautiful pet of somebody, this cat that was abandoned. And um, it's almost feral now. And the management where I live has written me up three times, um, violation of the lease agreement for, quote, feeding the wildlife. I said, no, it's doing the right thing. I can't stand by and watch this animal starve to death when I know I could have done something about it. And they won't let the Cats Coalition team come out and set a trap and one more time, and I risk eviction. However, um, I'm torn between it, and I, I want... I've, I've run ads uh, for months now, and it's not anybody's animal. Um, I just want the cat to be able to come inside or to, you know, just to be safe. I know there's a lot of other, you know, animals, wild animals, but we got coyotes and hyenas and mm-hmm. all, all kinds of things here, and I'm concerned for the cat's well-being because I'd like to take it in and adopt it if possible. Would they let you keep it if you could? If I bring it inside. If you brought them in. I already have one that was feral, and and I don't, I can't, you know, put him at risk without knowing that this cat could have leukemia or, you know, right. kitty AIDS. Can you can you find a fa- family for it? I can't catch it. They won't let me put. They won't let me entrap it. The cat's been eating out of dumpsters, and they won't even let you catch it. No. Mm-mm. What does she do, Karen? Well, what if what if they cat catch it? Can't you go in and adopt it after it's caught? If they right. would, if some. You know, the animal control shelter came out, and then you can go in and get it after they captured it. Couldn't you do that? Yeah, but they won't let them put the traps on the property, on the on the apartment complex well, property. Let me let me go deeper with this, okay? So that's that's like we're trying to problem solve and troubleshoot with you. But let me talk a little about the evolution of the soul, and this goes for animals too. We think we understand what their purpose is, or we think we understand um, what they're doing and what that means, and we may not fully understand somebody's plight in life. I don't mean this lightly at all, because it, sometimes it's a matter of what you're talking about, where you may not be able to bring the cat in. It may it may come to that, or the cat goes elsewhere, or it, you know it, it moves on. Or, or maybe it becomes, I hate to say this, food for a coyote. It happens. Mm-hmm. I, I think the important thing here is that you are really sharing your love. The, well, the animals teach you about this love. And obviously you, take, you, you love animals. I mean, that's, I can tell it in your voice and how you feel about this cat. And let's say you can't bring the cat or eventually get the cat to come in or even rescue this cat, like you're, you're saying. The cat is helping you. 
you don't understand what's going to happen to the cat, we may not know, but the cat is helping you reach out and touch you so deeply emotionally. You're doing everything you can to help it. And that, in a sense, is a beautiful relationship right there. Now, I hope the cat gets rescued, but if, if this cat doesn't, know that you are like the animal kingdom loves you because of the energy you're willing to exert for this animal and how it, it's helping you internally, just the beauty of your soul. He parks across the the, the aisle in my in the hallway um, and sits outside my door. But he's got very territorial and attacks the other other uh, tenants' dogs as they you know head down towards the elevator to take their dogs out. And so that's caused problems for me with other tenants complaining right. the cat you know what the cat's doing to their dogs because I fed the cat. What makes a cat so mean, Karen? Well, you know, like she said, it's territorial. This cat has been. It's in, a, it's in a harsh environment, you know. It's like dog eat dogs, no pun intended. But it's it's that kind of environment. I mean, they it's not that they're mean. They're being what a cat does. They're being what they instinctually survival, do. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And if it's an alley cat, that's what they do. They fight. That's it's not to put shame or blame on or judge them because of our own parameters of how we think we should behave. It's that a cat's going to be a cat. A rattlesnake's going to be a rattlesnake. You know, you got to look at these animals that are going to be themselves. doesn't mean they're bad. It means they're just being defending or territorial, instinctually who they are and what they need to be and that experience. Next up, let's go to Steve in Minnesota. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you for the program. What a lovely topic. Anyway, I'm just wondering if you've read, I think, one of the most lovely books that I've ever read, The Art of Racing in the Rain by, by Stein. Mm-mm. It's about the story of a race car driver uh, who has this golden retriever, and the, the story mm. is told by the dog, and he's a race car driver, and it's um, and his dog. Um, I'm not going to take this punchline wrong, but his dog reincarnates, and we have uh, some reading groups, and I think it's one of the most lovely books that, that I've ever read in my life, and it's written by uh, I think it's Scott Stein. And, and the dog's okay. name is Enzio, and it's an absolute must-read, The Art of Racing in the Rain. All right, we'll look I that up. That down. Go, go ahead, Thank Karen. you for sharing that. Karen, since you've been communicating with animals, what has been the strangest communications you've gone through? Well, here, here's a strange experience. So um, I had in my backyard... This was when I was living in California. I had a rattlesnake come into – where I lived was, like, communities. I mean, there was some greenbelt areas. A rattlesnake? A rattlesnake. It climbed over my wall. I had a little pond, and it was going to the pond and was drinking out of it. And I opened I opened the door. I walk, start walking out, and I see the snake. I go right back in, but I take – it's actually my, my Facebook page from, from a few years ago. And it was shocking. The snake was probably six feet long. Well, knowing me, I like to channel animals, so I immediately called my partner and said, you've got to come over here. Let's channel with the board. That's always the easiest way for me to channel in the beginning before I, I go into t- telepathy. And the, the snake said, and this is what I was saying about the cat that, that um, Lisa called in about. The snake said, um, I am a snake. I will do what snakes do. I come to this watering hole often. I've been coming here for eight years. And you said all this stuff that it said. It said, um, but. When I coil up, don't get too close because I will strike. So that's what snakes do. So we can't be silly about this. We've got to really um, 
honor the animal for what the animal is and not think because you can channel and talk to it or you get messages from it that all of a sudden you can go pick it up and pet it. Um, it's just experiences like that where the animal will really show who it is. I, I had a group of owls that used to come um, in my backyard, too, in, in California, and uh, they would fly in at night. And I decided, I go, I really want to tap into them and see if I can get messages. And sometimes when you get to wild animals, they don't always come through as easy. But these, these, these owls came through immediately and said, I am a mean eating, eating machine. I will eat anything that I can grab. And it's like, so that's what I do best. Something like that. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So, you, so it's not, you're not always going to get, oh, um, this is beautiful. Love me. Unconditional love. You're going to hear what this animal is and what they want to communicate. And I find that always fascinating. That is fascinating indeed, Karen. We're going to take one more quick call before the break. Let okay. us go to Rhonda in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to the show. Hey, Rhonda. Welcome to the program. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Go ahead. I have recently, recently lost my cat of 18 mm. years, and I would just like to know how I can get her to communicate with me that she's oh. okay. Right. She's got a minute to go there. Karen, go ahead. Okay. I can tell you real quickly, the best way when you're not used to doing this work I'm talking about is in your dreams. Invite your pet to come to you in your dreams. And your pet may come looking a little differently or larger or smaller. Something will be peculiar, but you'll know it's your pet and let her come to and talk to you in that regard. Just keep asking for her to come that way. And then the other thing, a lot of people find that their animals will jump up on bed and they'll turn around and there's no animal there. I've had that happen many times. So be patient with it and keep asking for her to visit you. How many times do you have to do that, though, before some, well, you see, see some results? Well, it happens pretty quickly. Like with Panzer and he transitioned within three days. He came back to me in a dream. And it was I said, I want to hold you one more time. And he jumped up on my lap. Um, and so it's just, it takes time. Some people don't have results for three months, four months, you know, but if you hang in there, something will happen. Or you may even just get a vision or you feel like you see your animal at the corner of the eye. So just be open to the, all the ways they can come to you. It's not what we dictate, but it's what they're able to do and how we're able to receive them. We're going to come back and take final calls with Karen Dahlman in just a moment on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, Karen Dolman with us. Our final segment, we're talking with Karen about a couple issues. Of course, the Ouija boards and then her latest work, When Cats Had Wings. And how angelic are these cats anyways, Karen? They're very angelic. In fact, all animals are. All animals here are, are here to help us really grow in love. I mean, you think about even the animals, in, again, in the wilds and stuff, the things they go through, and it's almost like, they're showing us some, some, they're showing us what they're willing to go through. And I don't want to get in, in graphic or anything like that. Willing to go through for us to wake up. The animals help us awaken and awaken to love, awaken to care, compassion, uh, awaken to needs outside of ourselves. It's, it's really a beautiful relationship and how they help us. They're angelic. They're very angelic. Let's go east of the Rockies. Kim is with us in Vermont. Welcome to the show. Hello, Kim. Hello, George. Hello, Karen. Hey there. Hi, Kim. Um, our first week of April, I was robbed. Uh, two people broke into my house. Oh, jeez. And my 
Ty, uh, he's very stressed out. I'm, mm. he's, he's licked all the hair off his stomach. And mm-hmm. what did they do to him or any of my other? I have got a dog and two cats. Uh, what did they hurt my animals? Can you tell? Were you, uh, were, you what, were you home? Yeah, I'll tell you what, what no. I'm getting. Um, and I'm not. I'm not saying I'm tapping into your cat right now, but just what came to me, and I think it's more from the guide. They're saying it's more about the stress it caused in your life that your cat's very sensitive, very attached to you, and it's expressing and experiencing the stress that you have from the situation. So I would definitely say look at that first. Um, I, I don't get the sense that they did anything, like, physically to this cat, but it's more like our, our animals really get connected to us, and they really play off of our energies. So look at that and let your cat know that things are calm. Now, i got to tell you, having said that, Jack, the cat, who had all kinds of stress in his life, started licking his fur off, too. And it was the stress of, I guess, abuse, and I was stressed out about him, too. But I, once I changed his diet and got him off of chicken and any kind of filler or anything, I, they eat real clean food. But then his fur came back. So look at diet, too. But I feel like it's really the stress that it causes your cat so attached to you. Does a cat stress out more than a dog, Karen? No, it could be. It's the same. It could be the same. It just which animal is more, um, more, more. Um, I don't know what the word I'm trying to think of, but more in tune with you. Um, maybe they they're going to play off those feelings more. All the animals play off it in some way, but some are a little bit more sensitive. Jack was very sensitive. He played off of feelings a lot. Let's go to Pete in North Carolina. Hello, Pete. Welcome to the program. Hey, Nighthawk. How you doing? Good, Peter. Thank you. Hey, uh, quick question for Karen. My bird's about to hatch eggs. Oh, and, uh, wow. Well, well, it's like a pregnant woman. She's gotten real bitchy and real irritable. And uh, I, uh, how do I communicate with her? Oh, well, I don't blame her for, for being, you know, a little tense. <laughs> this is a tense, tense time to be giving birth. Um, the best way to communicate with her is making her feel comfortable. Show her through your actions. I want everybody to know that not just having that dialogue that I might get when I channel on the board or telepathically, but if you can send messages to her, and the best way to send messages to your pets, I want everybody to hear this, especially you, Pete, send them messages, uh, visual images of what it was like for her to be calm or supportive. It may be the images of of her, her nest, her roost being really comfortable, or send your images of just healing light. So you can think of ways that you feel like she'll respond well when your bird was actually not so tense and anxious as she's, you know, I, I don't blame her for feeling that way, actually. But if you could send images to her and sit there in a calm space and give them to her and give her her space, that's the best way to talk to your animals in the beginning. And they're, she's talking to you now. She's even telling you, this is painful. This is, this is stressful. So send her that, those loving energies and give her her space, whatever you feel like she needs. Listen and feel. A lot of times animals will speak to us, not just with words, but mostly through images and feelings. So people that have an animal that might be sick, if you feel it in your stomach, go to the stomach. See if there's something wrong with your animal. In this case, your animal is about to give birth to these eggs. Um, You just want to give her comfort. Send her images of comfort if you can. All these cats that had their wings, angelic wings, were they in another life? Well, we'll have to ask Jack that story. But I get to tell you, George, it was really interesting um, when I when Jack came to me the story. I'm thinking because this is interesting. This is weird. What's up with this? The wings. 
And then I started doing research, and I, as I said, there, throughout antiquity, cult, many cultures showed the feline species with wings. So is this, is this reality? Is this mythology? I often think the mythological character we have in our fairy tales or, or through different cultures are actually real beings, whether it's interdimensional, uh, out there, extraterrestrial, ultra-dimensional. So I believe there's some truth to that. Let's go to Allison in Florida. Welcome to the show. Hi, Allie. Go ahead. Hello. Hi there. Hello. Hi. I am loving your show. Thank, Thank you. you. Go ahead. Thank you. So um, I, I'm, a, I'm a retired old lady. <laughs> oh, you're not that old, Allie. I, oh, I am. think you're not either. <laughs> I am. I am. And I, I live all I have no family well, I have no family. You have us, Allison. You have us. Yeah, I, I listen to your show a lot, actually, because of that. And um, and I live by myself, and I don't know, really, I don't have any friends or family where I live. And um, there's this cat that uh, lives a block away from me. There's a lot of cats in my area, actually. And there's this cat that has a... Uh, uh, he has a great home. Has a great home, but his his uh, his mom, you know, works. So he comes down and hangs out with me. I call it his spa day. Comes out <laughs> and hangs with me, and uh, he gets all kinds of love. And uh, he, he's only he's the only connection I have. I, but he comes and goes. He comes to my house and he leaves. It comes. I'm sorry, not my house, rental house. Uh-huh. I have no home, and. Um, Really think I'm near the end of my life, and um, I just kind of wonder, you know, um, he's a great cat. Um, you know, why why he comes around other than the obvious? You know, he gets food and <laughs> he gets combed and brushed, mm-hmm. and he gets a he's a tabby. You he's know, got so the life of Riley. Cool. That's why he comes around, huh? <laughs> what do you think, Karen? He gets pamp- he gets pampered. But I have absolutely. Allison, you know what? How? Let me ask this question. I think we're going to answer. You're going to answer this question yourself. How does he leave you feeling? How does he? How do you feel when he's there? And how does he leave you feeling? Incredibly joyful and incredibly sad because every day, every time, hours and hours throughout the day, he will leave me. He has to leave me. He's not mine. He's and and he's. He's not, I don't mean my, like, possessive. Mm-hmm. I can never get too attached because I will lose him. Well, you know what's beautiful is he comes and checks in on you on the timing of his own or when the timing's right for your soul. I mean, there's so much interplay when you start working with the consciousness of all living beings. We interact with each other at the moment when we need it the most. Yeah, life, life has its, its bittersweet moments, right? So you, the cat comes, it's joyful, when he leaves, it's sad. But yet he comes to you. He found you out of all the animals and all the people, or I should say souls, like it comes to you, this cat comes. This cat is an angel. This cat is coming to check on you, and it's a it's a friend. It's a dear friend, and you are a dear friend to that cat. How sensitive are animals, Karen? Animals are extremely sensitive, psychic, if you want to call it that, because they work with their instincts. 
They, they are always aware. They can hear music better than us. They can see better than us. They can smell better than us. So they have these, this range of the spectrum that they can work within more than we can. Many animals can see spirits. They can see when other visit, visitors are here. They, they sense, like there's animals that sense ep- epileptic seizures coming upon or some kind of sickness or cancer. I mean, these, these animals are very, very sensitive. So pay attention to your animals. You know, we were talking about the animal uh, that's, that's Kim shared, but that's, you know, ripping off, licking off its fur. That's a sensitive animal who's playing off the emotions of what went down in that house. So yeah, they're very sensitive. If a parent's child comes to them and says, mom, dad, I want a Ouija board for Christmas. <laughs> what do you do? Well, when do you when do you think I got my Ouija board? My very first one, probably for Santa Christmas. Claus. Yeah, yeah, Christmas, and that's what I did. I was eight years old, came to my parents, told them how cool this tool was, what I was doing with it, and they they weren't against it. Uh, they just thought it was a game. So Santa Claus brought it to me. So this is what I say, and what I would say if your child comes to you and you're not sure what you think about this tool, or maybe you're against it, maybe you're for it, just still. No matter what it is, have a conversation and say, what is it you know about this tool and, and what is it that you want to do? And they just may have a curiosity because they see it on TV or maybe they want to scare themselves. You get to decide. But the, the big thing here is that you get to have a conversation. Well, that's the most important thing. Karen, thank you so much when cats had wings. For Adam Thompson, Tom Danheiser, Dan Galanti. Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean LaDessor, Stephanie Smith, Chris Boros, Tim Benal, George Knapp, and Ian Punnett. I'm George Norrie, somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.